But all this has to do with Sabbath in the sense, I think there is a longing in every person's heart for rest, for rest from comparison, from the distractions, from having to produce to be enough. You're listening to the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast with pastors Eric Powers, Joel Scoggins, and Justin Mucka, joined by Sam Connor as they talk through Lead by Paul David Tripp. Today, Matthew Dennis joins the guys to talk about war. The gospel principle is it is essential to understand that leadership in any gospel ministry is spiritual warfare. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast, Episode 6. We're halfway there after today, guys. We're halfway there, almost done with uh, Season 1. I'm Eric Powers. I'm joined by Joel Scoggins. We got the whole guy, the whole gang together, all the guys, uh, Joel Scoggins, Justin Mucka, Sam Connor. We're all in the room. We're all here. Our special guest today is not in the room with us, but uh, he, he's going to sound like he's in the room with us. It's going to be great. Uh, we'll introduce him in just a few moments, but we have a great episode this week. Before we dive in, uh, I do want to encourage everyone to join the conversation. You do not have to own this book to uh, be a part of the conversation. Uh, you can ask questions. You can give us some feedback. You can just discuss the things that you hear us talk about here on the podcast. And you can do that by emailing us at podcast at gracepoint.church. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Somebody be the first one. Somebody do it. Somebody emails. Uh, other than that guy who was marketing to other us. Other than the guy that was marketing <laughs> to us. Uh, but, uh, besides the point, somebody be the first one or the second one, I guess, if we're counting that guy. <laughs> also, we do ask that you would share the podcast. Help us spread the word and get the podcast out to more people. If you enjoy what you're listening to, then share it on your Instagram. Share it on your Facebook. Uh, just help us spread the word. Uh, subscribe and share to the people in your life that you believe could benefit from a podcast like this. Uh, in this episode, I, I feel like this episode is going to be so much fun. Uh, because of who, what we're talking about, uh, because who we've got uh, being our guest today. I'm so excited. We're going to introduce him right now. Uh, today, our guest is Matthew Dennis. Matthew, how are you doing? Pretty good. I'm glad Pretty to be good. here. Great. Awesome. Uh, Matthew served with us here at Grace Point for several years. He has a master's in leadership from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, he's now teaching Bible and history to high school students at Maryville Christian in Maryville, Tennessee. He's a super smart dude, and he loves Jesus. And anybody that knows him and has been around him uh, for a little bit can tell you that. Uh, you can look at his life, and you can know how much he loves Jesus and how smart he is. Uh, Matthew, if you don't care, give us a quick version of your testimony. Uh, when did you get saved? When did you feel called to the ministry? How long have you been in ministry? Stuff like that. And then I've got a couple other questions I'm going to ask you just to kind of introduce you to everybody. All right. So uh, when I got saved was around seven years old. It was uh, March 14th, actually. And so I just remember doing homework at my kitchen counter when I was a little kid. And I just remember just hearing God speak to me, um, not necessarily an audible voice, but if you've been in his presence, you know when it's him. And I just remember feeling convicted. And even though I had grown up in church, I just, I knew that I hadn't given my life to him yet. And so I just, I set my pencil down, quit doing my homework. And I just said a very simple prayer. And um, I just, I told him that I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. And since then, I would say uh, my life hasn't been the same. Um, I'd say a big part of my testimony has to do with the fact that, because it's not like, I know that doesn't sound very dramatic, but it's, 
you know, I'm discovering that God is more interested in the journey than these big flashy moments. Um, so for me, a lot of my testimony has been a lot of wrestling with him. I'm naturally more of a skeptical and pessimistic person. Um, so I've had, uh, I've had to ask him a lot of tough questions and a lot of really hard moments with him. But I think that the, uh, the pain and the wrestling that has come along with that has, uh, I think, grounded my confidence much more in him. And it's also helped me. I think that's primarily who I have a passion for is people who, who are skeptics since I'm more naturally wired like that. That's, that's kind of my testimony in a nutshell. I could go in a lot deeper with that. But as far as um, when I was called into ministry was about my sophomore year of college. And the funny thing before that was I was so angry at the church. Um, I wanted, so a common thing I would usually say was the last thing that I would ever want to be is a pastor. And I remember being at the uh, Catalyst leadership conference in I think it was 2011. I remember just being really impacted by this message by uh, Christine Kane. And, you know, in that moment, I just remember I wanted to make a big difference in our nation. And just in that moment, I remember God just kind of breaking me down and reminding me that the only thing that truly has the power to transform the human heart is the gospel. And I remember going back to my dorm and getting on my knees and surrendering my life to ministry. And that, that was actually a hard moment for me because again, for years, I just, I think I was feeling the draw towards it, but I was heavily resisting it. And I, I just, I really did not want to go into ministry. And so it's funny how the Lord works because the next thing I said was, um, that I would never be a children's pastor. And then lo and behold, I get hired at hired by grace point to be the, the children's minister. And, um, but even children's ministry, it taught me so much about leadership because, you know, and you guys have heard me talk about this before, just, you know, children, they have, they have nothing to give and they're so, uh, trusting and they, they simply want to just, be with you and for that for you to listen to them and you know they really opened my my eyes to the heart of the father that you know he simply he does he doesn't expect us to give anything because we we have nothing to give and he's not impressed with all of our accomplishments and there's actually rest mm. in that we're not valued by what we produce and so i think that equipped me mm. to be a better mentor a leader and a friend and so eventually that morphed into having a passion for discipleship ministry, which again, as you guys know, that's what I finished out with at Grace Point was uh, discipleship ministry. That's awesome. And, and you're, teaching high, you're teaching high school now. And so how is the school world different than being in a church office every day? How's it treating you? I would say there's a lot of similarities um, but also a few differences. I'd say the, the big similarity is both places you're working with people and mm. anywhere you go, people are not perfect. And so you have to, like anywhere I've started, whether it's a church or a school or whatever, 
you know, you really have to spend that first year, those first couple months really establishing uh, trust, uh, focusing on relationships, because if you don't have that groundwork laid down, then people aren't even going to listen to anything you say because, um, you know, leadership's not in a title. It's in the influence that you have with other people. And, and to do that, you have to establish relationships and trust. And so even though it's high schoolers, and it's not necessarily adult discipleship or children's ministry anymore. You know, they might be dealing with different issues, but no matter what your age group is, everybody's dealing with um, serious questions, things that are hurting them. Um, and so what I want to do is just, you know, introduce introduce them to Jesus. And so, um, but man, even though it's, even though it's a Christian school, I mean, you've got so many of these kids who are hurting so much and have some serious questions. Um, because even though you're at a Christian school or a church, you're not sheltered by kind of the bombardment of what our society throws at them. I mean, uh, just like us, you know, they're, they worry about comparison. They're caught up in all the, the traps and social media that forces us to kind of get in this mindset of comparing each other and always looking at what the other person has. And so, um, so yeah, some, some similarities, but I'd say, uh, probably the big differences is, uh, <laughs> you know, being in the church office, I got to, uh, sit a lot more, which doesn't mean I wasn't working or anything. <laughs> <Right>. It's just, <laughs> you know, your main thing is on Wednesday and Sunday, but like every day at the school, it's like, it's over in the blink of an eye. Cause I'm teaching, mm three classes a day. I got my freshman Bible class, my junior Bible class, and then sophomore, you know, world history. So it's just like three lessons back to back. And then I have a, uh, a life group that I'm over, which is kind of like a discipleship thing. And then pretty much the only, I guess, free time in the day I have is my planning period. So it's like nonstop. So yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Well, dude, we're, we're super pumped to have you with us today. And we believe you have uh, have been lined up for this specific chapter on purpose. Uh, it wasn't us. It was definitely God working this out. First of all, because you're on Thanksgiving break and you're able to do this with us. And then second of all, just because we know how passionate you are about leadership and we know how passionate you are about spiritual warfare. And that is what we get to talk about today. And so we are pumped that you, you fell on this chapter on this date, it's like there's a, 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 a somebody in charge of all that and just like putting it all together because, and, and, yeah, it's God. Uh, so cool stuff. But uh, today is chapter six. Uh, like I said, we're halfway through, guys. Uh, we're going to be talking about war today. That's the title of this chapter. It's called War. It's on spiritual warfare. And the gospel principle for this week is this. It says it is essential to understand that leadership in any gospel ministry is is spiritual warfare. It is essential to understand that leadership in any gospel ministry is spiritual warfare. I think a, a way that we can start this is this. Uh, last week, one of the statements that stood out to me, and we talked about it a little bit, uh, and he's going to say it again this week inside of this chapter. He mentions it again. But last week in chapter five, when we talked about uh, character, uh, he, he said this. He said, ministry leadership is war. 
And we cannot approach it with the passivity of peacetime assumptions. Uh, I think that statement from last week was a great setup for the discussion that we have today. He's going to say it again in the chapter that we're reading today, and I can't wait to get to that. But I think that anyone, I think we can we can discuss this a little bit. We can talk about this a little bit, guys. So, Matthew, you're in this too. Uh, I think that anyone who has served in ministry or volunteered in any capacity uh, and, and somebody that has really put their heart into ministry, into the, the people that they are serving, the people that they are ministering to, and the ministry itself, trying to create a space that is is glorifying God and pushing people towards Jesus and pointing people towards the cross. Uh, I think anybody that's in that situation, uh, they're going to, they know, and they have experienced the war that this guy is talking about. They're, they're talking, they're, they've experienced people that have uh, questioned and made uh, accusations against and attacks against their character, their gifts, their vision, their methodology, stuff like that. Uh, people that have been in ministry or volunteered in ministry and really put their heart into it and really trying to go after it, they've experienced those kinds of attacks, uh, attacks before, and they don't know exactly what we're talking about today. Yeah, it's definitely not for the faint of heart, you know. Um, every day, there's, there's, there's that potential. Uh, the enemy is there. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to get weak. He's waiting for you to let up. He's waiting for you to not prepare to not put your spiritual armor on. And it's, it's, it's subtle, you know, and sometimes it's 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 sometimes it's ourselves. You know, I think we've said this too. Sometimes we give the devil too much credit. Sometimes we 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 do it ourselves. You know, we just give up sometimes. You know, because maybe have we talked about boundaries yet? And yeah, we talked about boundaries early on. We've we've already read this book and gone yeah. through it. So now I'm questioning, <laughs> but but. <laughs> <laughs> True. Who knows if we've actually, if we've talked about it on the podcast. Yet oh man. But, but regardless, regardless, you know, when you don't set the proper boundaries, you know, you wear yourself out. That's not, that's not always Satan. Sometimes it's us. You know, we make the decisions. We have a lack of preparation. We don't calendar well, whatever, whatever yeah, it is. So basically, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So don't give, the, the enemy credit for your like actions or for your yeah. inability to be active in, in ministry yeah. in, in the ways that you're supposed to be. Yeah. He can be a great yeah. scapegoat. Mm-hmm. The devil, you know, devil mm-hmm. made me do it. Devil made me do it. But we are talking about war and he is the enemy and yeah. we have to be aware that he is out to steal, kill and destroy every day of mm-hmm. our lives. Yeah, and I think this might be jumping ahead because I know this is mentioned in the chapter, but he talks about being aware of your own uh, weaknesses, which, you know, you see that as a general rule of thumb in leadership, but I think realizing that we're at war also means you are keenly aware of how you are susceptible to attack, and you need to be setting up rhythms and things that anchor you in the truth uh, mm-hmm. because there's general principles that can apply across the board as when it comes to warfare and leadership, but also each of us, you see so many different leadership styles, different personalities, people with different backgrounds. And so everybody's going to have different weaknesses, things that tempt them or draw their hearts away from the truth. So you, I think step number one for that, for making good warfare is like, you really got to know yourself well. 
I think it's important to like, I think Matthew kind of hit on that a little bit talking about like developing consistency and developing good habits within that. Um, because like Joel said, like there'll be times where, um, yeah, it's just like, it's just the things that you've not prepared yourself well for. It's not really like you can't just blame the devil for all of it, but also it's about like learning to keep those good habits, uh, no matter what the times are so that whenever it is that spiritual attack, you're prepared to deal with it, not because of, you know, yourself, but because of the scripture, uh, that God has given you because of, um, the ability God's given us to pray and talk to him and to find out the answers that we need, uh, from him and to put those burdens on him and not have to deal with that ourselves. And I'm sure it talks about that in this chapter too, um, a little bit later on, but it's just, it's important to know that at any point when you're dealing with this kind of thing. Cool. I think it's, it's also good to remember as a follower of Jesus that Jesus gives you everything you need to, to overcome uh, Satan and his attacks and, and fight this war and fight this war well. If you remain faithful, if you remain steadfast and you remain uh, put, keep putting one foot in front of another and keep your eyes on him, I think you, you got to understand that you have the power to, to do this thing and do this thing well in Christ. And, and that's, the, that's the key is like it has to be in Christ. And, and so he gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us and, and convicts us and, and, and guides us and helps us and equips us with everything we need. Uh, we have the power of prayer. We have the power of, of Scripture. We have, uh, you know, we have all that we need, all the tools that we need to, to keep our eyes on Jesus and to, uh, to do this thing well and to fight this fight and to win this fight, knowing that the victory is in him and the only way that we win this is in Christ. Um, and so uh, I think one of the cool, th- the, the way that he starts this, uh, the first thing I have underlined in this book, in this chapter is this, it says leaders unaware of the spiritual war that is ministry begin to minister with kidnapped hearts, distorted vision and misguided motivations. Uh, so what a, what a bad place to start. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, so people that are uh, leaders that are unaware of spiritual war that, and that's, that's kind of like, we, we have to equip our leaders with, with a good way of starting. Uh, we have to equip our le- our leaders, people that are interested in becoming leaders, people that are interested in, uh, interested in joining leadership. We have to equip them and, and paint a, an accurate picture of what leadership is for them. And, and this, this is a person that hasn't had that done for them. Uh, a person, that walks into ministry, uh, a leadership position, uh, without unaware of spiritual war, is a person with a kidnapped heart, distorted vision, and misguided motivations. And so, uh, they they could be uh, that could be a person that that just wants the fame, that just wants the stage, that just wants the lights, and, and not have a motivated heart to actually glorify and honor God. That could be a person uh, that that has no idea what they're stepping into. That could be a person that doesn't truly have a calling that's going to help them walk through spiritual warfare and walk through these attacks. Uh, and they're going to be a person that quickly abandons the call and abandons uh, what God is. Uh, the leadership uh, position that maybe they are in, uh, but I, I think that this is a person that that we have failed as leaders in, in current leadership position. Like we have to make sure that we don't allow our leaders to to have this kind of. Uh, picture of leadership and this vision of leadership when they're getting started. We got to equip them better. Yeah, I think I think where a lot of places fall short and is because a lot of people think that good leadership is knowing good leadership skills and tactics. Like nearly a lot of leadership 
training that I've been a part of, like it focuses on this is how you communicate your vision or this is how you put a team together. And those are all necessary skills, but nearly every single time there seems to be lacking lacking that character element. And I think knowing ministry as war could also be equated with part of ministry, again, is knowing yourself because you even see with Peter's life, he was passionate, he was outspoken. And, you know, you even have that, um, that part in, I think it's Matthew chapter 10 or 11, or it's both, but anyway. So, you know, you have that part where Jesus is, is asking the disciples, you know, who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you're the Messiah, the son of God. And so Jesus says, blessed are you, and he tells Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you. And he calls Peter the rock of the church. But then in the next chapter, you've got Jesus turning around saying, uh, you know, Peter's basically scolding Jesus for uh, speaking about his his death. And Jesus turns around him and says, get behind me, Satan. And then we have later Peter again, Jesus is talking about his death to the disciples and Peter's saying, I will follow you to the death. And Jesus tells him, and he asks him a question. And I love how Jesus always asks questions to invite us into a conversation. Um, but he says, will, will you follow me? And then he tells him, by the time the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Because here's what we are unaware of when we step into leadership, most of us, is God knows you better than you know yourself. And since we live in a culture that um, is so stimulated by distractions, this microwave fast food mentality, none of us has really taken ample time to really search out and know our heart the way that God does. And so when trials and situations come, sometimes we're caught by surprise because we thought we knew who we were, but when push comes to shove, we fall apart. That's good. Uh, the next thing I have uh, kind of goes right right along with what you're saying. Uh, at the bottom of page 115, he says, Leadership in the church of Jesus Christ is not just a battle for theological faithfulness, gospel purity, and method. Mm, <laughs> I knew I was going to struggle with this word. Methodolo- mm, Methodology. Somebody, nah, there we go. Uh, that's not Methodological. What it is. There we go. Integrity. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> it is also always a war for the heart of every leader. Uh, so the war we're fighting is not just me- about methods, how we're doing things. It's not just about uh, gospel purity, even though that should definitely be at the top of our list. We want to keep the gospel pure. We want to tell the gospel the right way uh, and in its fullness. Uh, and it's not just theological faithfulness, even though we want to strive to get things uh, correct and have good theology and have good beliefs. Uh, but we have at the bottom of this, at the top of this thing, actually, uh, we have to understand that our battle is for every heart of every leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts with the battle of our own heart first. Our own heart has to be uh, handed over to Jesus every day. Our own mind needs to be handed over to Jesus every day. And that's why we cannot walk into our offices every day with the thought and the passivity of peacetime. We can't think of it as peacetime. We have to walk in every day. We have to wake up every day and put our our, our war clothes on and get ready to fight, right? Uh, and, and what are we fighting for? Well, first of all, we're fighting for our own spiritual souls. We're fighting for our own 
uh, lives and hearts and minds handed over to Christ. But then we're also fighting for our leaders and the people that God, the, the sheep that he has put in our fold, uh, the people that he's put in our lives for us to be responsible for and to fight for. Um, we're fighting for their uh, hearts as well. You know, the, the responsibility ministry, I mean, it's football season in Tennessee right now, right? So, so not, I, after, I, not after last week. The yeah, season well. is now over. <laughs> it's over. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, let's say, let's say in the South, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, but it's got me thinking, uh, this just, you know, maybe this is a great parallel. Maybe it's a terrible parallel. But you have your offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators who are sending these kids out on the field. And ultimately, when you're in leadership, it's kind of like being one of these coordinators, at least, you know, roll with me if this mm-hmm. is good or not. Y'all can tell me, but... I'm feeling it. But it's basically like being one of these coordinators and you're sending your people out. You're telling them, all right, this is what the enemy's doing. This is what we got to do. And long story short, I mean, you 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 see it, you know. Mm-hmm. If you have your eyes open to it, you can see what you're sending people out into. You can see how they respond. You can see what's happening to their hearts. So... Basically, our our responsibility as as equippers, uh, as gospel equippers, is to do this is to is to prepare the people who you are discipling to to go to war. And if we're not in here doing it well, if we're not leading leading our own hearts well, if we're not connected to God, saying, "Hey, what what do you have for me today?" I'm ready. I'm ready and actually preparing yourself being ready. Yeah, I mean, I thought of just a simple thing earlier because this is <laughs> this is what we do in ministry, right? Just short little sayings, you know, know God, know yourself, know your enemy. Mm-hmm. If you can do those three things every day, uh, work at those three things, you know, knowing God better, knowing yourself better and knowing your enemy. Phil did a sermon a while back talking about knowing your enemy and it's 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 important to know what he's up to, you know, that he is out there trying to destroy you and to have your eyes open to it. So I think that's why it can be so easy to be susceptible to those things because we often don't have our eyes open to that. Like we see what the devil is uh, trying to deceive us with and it's, it's attractive. We see it like uh, for the, for some parts, not all of it's attractive, but uh, we see things that are like, um, they're out there that were like, Oh, I, I want that. I'd rather have that. That's an easier path for me to go on. Um, I'm comfortable here. Uh, it could be little things. It could be big things, anything like that. We, it's just, it's out there for us to see. And if we are not, uh, constantly having our eyes open and being, I mean, ready to look for things like that, then we can easily fall into the trap and easily, uh, lose that battle in our hearts. And because I mean, that's, that's where it all starts right there. But with the things that you're talking about, Joel, like uh, things about like every day, like working on being prepared for that battle. Like uh, recently I've really started trying to um, kind of direct my own um, spiritual life more, like trying to get into the word a lot more. That is something that I think is one of been one of my most, uh, or one of my most biggest, <laughs> one of the biggest battles for my own life for whatever reason is just getting into the word and not just like, uh, still love to read it is like doing it something consistently. Um, even when it means I have to be like, Hey, I'm going to go do this real, like not real quick. 
let me rephrase that. I'm going to go do this first before I do anything else because this has to dictate what the other things, like what else I'm going to do this day. Like it, this has to come first because if this doesn't come first, then like, then what am I doing? Right? Like, and so it's, that's been my struggle with it. And so I've been having to do that. And I think it takes something like that to be able to open your eyes to see the things that like the devil's trying to tempt you with and the devil's trying to deceive you with and trying to strengthen your own heart. And so that you can be able to pass it on to uh, others in your leadership community to be able to um, help them out, help them see things that they didn't see before. I think that's, that's very important. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason why he says that we have to take care of the heart. It's because the heart controls everything else, right? It leads the mind, it leads the hands, it leads it leads our passions, it leads everything. So we have to get our heart, we have to take care of our heart first. Uh, and how do we do that? We, we do that by knowing the schemes. It's not just knowing that there's 11 other guys on the other side of the field uh, that are going to line up and do something. It, it's also knowing uh, that they have schemes, they have ideas, they have plans, they have they have a playbook, all right? And, and so the cool thing is, is that God's laid out the enemy's playbook. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. Like we know that those are his intentions. That's we know that that's his playbook. He's going to do it by getting into our heart, finding a crack, and diving in. So it's important for us to to build strongholds, to build a plan uh, to uh, to fight against the enemy and his attacks on our heart. Uh, and so we do that by handing our heart over to Christ. Right, the safest place it can be is handed over to Jesus. Uh, and so uh, that's why I think that he he goes at the heart first, um, because the heart is oftentimes. Um, I mean, when things start going weird and out of our lives, it's often because our heart has wandered, right? He even gives us an example. In fact, uh, he says on, on, on page 116, he says, in fact, it is often the case that theological wandering is but a visible symptom of a heart that has already wandered. All right, so we see that uh, when things go uh, weird in our life, when we start, uh, you know, not do, being disciplined in our in our spiritual life, not being disciplined in our reading the scripture, not being disciplined in not being worshipful, not on a consistent basis, not doing things that we need to be doing to get our heart right and hand it over to Christ and just continue to pursue him and keep our eyes on him. It's often because our heart is in the wrong place and it's wandered away long before our dis disciplines wandered away, long before uh, anything else started happening. It was our heart first. Uh, our heart took those first steps, right? Um, and so, um, he gives us a, a thing here. Uh, uh, we have a, a subtitle of this uh, thing here. He gives us a thing here. Let, this is so educated. Huh? Matthew, you still with us? I'm still with you. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, uh, he gives us a subtitle. Uh, he says this. He says, life between the already, in quotation marks, life between the already and the not yet is war. Life between the already and the not yet is war war. Um, and, and so it's like, we've already got Christ. We've already got the uh, victory, but we're not yet there. Um, and, and so uh, in, in between those two moments is war, like it's spiritual battle uh, and we have to be prepared for it. And so uh, the first thing that I have underlined is life right here, right now really is a moment by moment spiritual war. I think that that's a, that's a nice way of breaking up our life. It's a moment by moment right here, right now, you're in a battle and you need to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. I think... Yeah. Go ahead, Matthew. Oh, I was going to say that was one of my favorite parts of the chapter was the already, not yet. Uh, because actually I was teaching on this already, not yet to my students last week. So the timing with that was good. That's cool. That's cool. Um, but I was explaining to them, you know, how 
how do you keep your heart from getting adrift? Because, you know, you see throughout scripture where God set up all of these festivals and holidays and reminders of, of what he had done for his people. And so, um, so with my juniors, I'm in a, the theology unit and we were talking about Sabbath. And most of us, we think of Sabbath as just, oh, it's just a nap that you take on Sundays. And most Christians, when I ask them, what does it mean that God rested? A lot of them, they're not able to answer because they're like, oh, well, he was just setting an example for us or God got mm-hmm. tired. And then that le- I'm like, well, did he get tired? Because if he's all sufficient, all powerful, like does he need to take a nap? And obvious, <laughs> right. obviously not. Um, so then why why is Sabbath considered such a holy day to him? And I'll, I'll tie this into warfare and the already not yet in a second. But if you look at our world today, you see that it is, it is driven by this system and this machine of you have to produce this, you have to produce something to show that you were of worth, particularly in, in Western culture. Um, and then also, if that's not enough, you have people comparing each other and social media causing all this depression because we look on social media and we're like, man, I wish I had that person's life. Um, so we have a lot of very tired, depressed, and anxious people in today's world. Um, and so where that all goes back to is the fall. Because here's the thing, in every single human heart, whether somebody's a Christian or not, we have this recognition in the human experience that something is very wrong with this world. And so ever since the beginning of time, different kings, dictators, tyrants, presidents, prime ministers, authorities, any, everybody at some point has cast this vision of, here's my vision for the world to take it back to Eden, so to speak, because we have this, this memory of Eden in our hearts that we've lost. So all the wars and chaos that we see are a result of us trying to do that without God um, because it was mankind that broke it in the first place and it's only going to be God who fixes it. But all this has to do with Sabbath in the sense, I think there is a longing in every person's heart for rest, for rest from comparison, from the distractions, from having to produce to be enough. Um and if you look in Second Chronicles 36, it says how Israel, they had to spend 70 years in Babylon and why that number specifically. Well, Second Chronicles 36 tells that God allowed that time so that the land of Israel could have its Sabbaths. And that was a detail I missed before because I started thinking, whoa, Sabbath must be really important to God because he wanted to let the land rest that long for the le- for, because the people weren't keeping the Sabbath. So what does Sabbath mean? Sabbath, when we keep Sabbath and we set aside a day to where we, we pull out distractions and just simply enjoy his creation and being with people we love, Peter Scazzaro notes, um, and one of, I think is a emotionally healthy leadership, but he knows that when you keep Sabbath, you are preaching to the gospel to yourself because you are reminding yourself that God's plan and the world spins on without you contributing a thing to it, that your identity is simply in him and that your, that your eternal home is heaven. So, and this is, That's good. 
this is this is the last point I'll make and all. Oh, you can, you can keep going. I'm on, You're preaching I'm now. Come on. Yeah, let's go. Can <laughs> I let's go. You're going to give an altar call to an amen. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, so, um, so all this to say that when, um, when you stop getting, so keeping, so whether it's Sabbath or whatever the festivals are, you know, uh, Sabbath, for example, is it's when we keep it, it is a rebellion against this oppressive world system that, again, wants us to produce, to strive. And um, you're reminding yourself that there is a day of future rest coming to all mankind. And I was actually reading in Hebrews this morning, I was thinking about how in chapter four, it says, let us strive to enter God's rest because this world makes it incredibly hard to rest. It's not just taking a nap. It's reminding yourself of the already that has come and the reality that is on the way. Yeah, and it makes sense for the enemy to attack that. It makes sense for our world to attack our rest. It makes sense for that. Uh, And it shouldn't be a surprise, right? He says in the middle of page 116, he says, I want to emphasize that the Bible normalizes rather than dramatizes spiritual warfare. It should not be a surprise to us that spiritual warfare is coming after everything. It shouldn't be uh, a surprise to us that the enemy wants to take our rest uh, or to take our Sabbath because what does he do? When we're not reminding ourselves of the gospel, when we're not setting in God's presence at least least once a week and just and, and just being reminded of what he's done for us and reminded of the gospel and, and if we're not sitting in that moment and being restored our allowing our souls to be restored in God the Sabbath that you just described uh, then then we're we're less um, we're less prepared we're less rested we're less uh, available we're not as available to God and and also our joy just kind of just kind of leaks out right we just we, we carry ourselves different we don't look like uh, the gospel and what Jesus has called us to look like as much there's a reason why the enemy attacks our our rest and our Sabbath it makes total sense uh, to make us unavailable to get us uh, um, to get us distracted to get us uh, away from that time because we are dangerous whenever we have that moment uh, of reconnecting and being restored and just refocused on God every week. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, That actually makes me think of another chapter in Hebrews where, you know, Hebrews uh, 12 and 13, you see the hall of faith and in the middle of it, it talks about uh, through verses 13 through 16 and, and uh, sorry, chapter 11, not 12 through 13, 11 through 12, yep. but chapter 11, 13 through 16 out talks about um, if they had kept remembering the land that they came from, then they wouldn't have pressed forward. But because their heart was anchored in their mm. eternal home, you see at the end of the chapter was therefore. uh Women received back their children from the dead. Uh, kingdoms were conquered. Just all these incredible accomplishments that they made. And it also says how they suffered. Like, you know, uh, it talks about all the martyrs. And and so they were able to do that because since they continually anchored themselves in the already, not yet, 
they had their minds were so on heaven that that was more of a reality than this current reality that we have. And because of that, they were unstoppable. Hmm. That's so good. So a way that we can equip our leaders and encourage our leaders to fight sport, spiritual warfare and to dive into this war is to say, make sure you you make time for your Sabbath and protect that time with all that you've got because it's more than just taking a nap. It's more than just playing PlayStation or Xbox all day. It's more than just sitting around on TikTok all day. It's more than just doing things that do not require deep mental thing. Like that's what we think. If we disconnect our mind and turn our minds off for just a little bit, then we're resting. Uh, but that's not what a Sabbath is. It's it's reconnecting to your creator. It's reconnecting with God. It's, it's allowing him to restore your soul and to restore you. And so that's a way that we can, it's spending time in worship. It's spending time in meditation. It's spending time in in rest and just resting in him. And, and so, yeah, a way yeah. that we can fight spiritual warfare, th- this, this thing is by reconnecting with God and staying connected with him and protecting our Sabbath. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I think, you know, f- for me, and again, this goes back to knowing yourself specifically, because I also mm-hmm. think Sabbath can look different depending on who you are. And so for me on break, you know, like I told you guys, I'm out here by the ocean and I'm surfing. Yeah. And and for me, the ocean is such a special place because for me, it's a reconnection spot. Um, so one of my, so my professor uh, and friend back in the, uh, Dr. Reese, he used to tell me about, he asked me, you know, have you experienced a down payment and he's, and you know, of course I did, I hadn't heard, I didn't know what he was talking about, but he was talking about how this moment where he was watching the, the sunset over Max Patch in North Carolina mm-hmm. and just his soul being filled with so much joy. And he was started thinking about um, how sometimes when we're in nature, we experience a moment where like, there has got to be more than this. There was more that I was made for. And you go back to Ecclesiastes 3.11 and it says that God has put eternity into the hearts of man. And for me, when I'm out there on my board or sitting on the beach and I'm seeing the sun come up over the ocean or um, it's like it away, it rekindles that longing in my heart for the home that I was, that I was made for. So like kind of a sappy, kind of a, I don't know, this might sound kind of cheesy, but Sometimes when that that ray of light shoots across the water when the sun rises, I imagine that that beam of light is like a bridge I can run across that, you know, that my home is like behind the sun. That's cool. But uh um and not to not to nerd out here, but uh so I just got done reading the Silmarillion. Um and there's a follow-up to the Silmarillion and one of those books is called The Fall of Gondolin. So if you're a Lord of the Rings fan and you're especially a hardcore Lord of the Rings fan and you've gotten through the Silmarillion, you'll know what I'm talking about. But I... T- I literally didn't expect anything <laughs> less when we asked Matthew to be a part of this. Not at all. Not yeah, at this all. is exactly what I expected and I'm loving it. Go yeah. off, dude. So uh, in The Fall of Gondolin... No, 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 no. <laughs> not, Stay with us. <laughs> not my nerdy voice. But... um. <laughs> so, so long story short, um, the, so the fall of Gondolin is, is basically about this, uh, this secret city, um, that the elves have built. And these aren't like Santa elves. These are like, these are like scary warrior, like 
you don't want to mess with elves, okay? So I just don't, I'm just trying to make this look better than it sounds. <laughs> but um, anyway, there's this man, Tor, and he's trying, he, he doesn't realize it, but he's being led um, by supernatural forces to find this secret city. But in this, uh, there was this section I was reading this morning and tears were coming to my eyes because it talks about how he's standing on the edge of the cliff and this is early in Middle Earth's history. So he's considered the first man to see the ocean. And there's a line in there that says, and in his heart, there was awakened in him the deep longing that the ocean awakens in every person's heart. Something like that. I'm probably butchering that. But for me, again, going back, it's just there are those down payments, those moments, whether it's a beautiful sunset or being with family um, or thinking of the person that we love. Those are all reminders of the already and not yet that is to come, the eternity that he has anchored into our hearts. Mm. That's awesome. That's so good. Uh, Paul David Tripp goes into, uh, at the bottom of page 116, he, he gives he begins this list of scripture verses, and I'm going to commit to this again. I, I did this a couple weeks, a few weeks ago. Uh, I said I would make a, a graphic for us to post. Uh, so we're going to do this again. We're going to post these scriptures. Uh, sorry, Joel. Uh, <laughs> I made the graphic, so I can do this. I can. You can. Uh, we're you can. gonna. I, I'm going to make this again, and we're, we're going to post these scriptures. But um, but what he does is he lists out these these scriptures uh, that just prove to us that it is normal for scripture to tell us about spiritual warfare and to. Tell us to expect it and just be ready for it, and, and it also tells us how to prepare for it and how to fight it. So, uh, and, and so it also shows us that it is normal. Like this is, should not be a surprise for us that we are going into battle, that we are are going to experience spiritual warfare, that the enemy is going to attack. It should not be a surprise to us because look at all the scripture. There's three pages of scripture here, guys, uh, and this is this is barely getting started. He mentions that he's like, there's so much more I could put on this, but this is three pages of scripture uh, that he gives us and. I'll, I'll we'll make a post, and so if you if you want to see the post, uh, it'll be in a few days, and and just uh, follow us on the church at Grace Point, uh, find us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, but we'll post that uh, those those scriptures for you guys. Uh, but after he gives us this long list of scripture, uh, he he gives us this statement. He says he gives us this question. Actually, he says, "Now, if what these passages portray, that is." Uh, that it is true of every believer and that we live in a daily state of spiritual war and must therefore live with eyes open, heart engaged, mind alert, protective gear in place. How much more is it true of those leaders our Lord has raised up to stand at the forefront of the battle to give warning and direction? Um, so in other words, how how important it is, is it for us to, as leaders, as people that are, are called to uh, equip and to to help people understand what they're getting into when they get into leadership, how important it is is it for us to stand at the front line and say, "Hey, this is what we've got to do. We've got to learn together. We've got to let me equip you. Let me teach you some things. Let me uh, let me get you ready. Let me get you prepared for the leadership position, the place that you're about to step into, the things that you need to be ready to to face and go up against. Let me help you know what is coming. Let me line you up in front of my whiteboard like an offensive." coordinator and tell you the schemes that the defense is gonna throw at you all right that's that's why uh, I, I do like the coordinator thing that was a good that was a great 
uh, picture. That was good. Uh, but that's the question he's asking us. And then he follows with this statement. He says, no leadership community should be naive. No leadership community should do its work with a comfortable peacetime mentality. There it is again, guys. He, he tells us, he warns us, like, uh, there's no way we should walk into our office. There's no way we should walk into ministry. There's no way we should walk into life as a believer that is living for Jesus and trying to tell people about Jesus. We should never approach a day uh, on this side of heaven uh, with peacetime mentality because the enemy is attacking, the enemy is coming, and, and we're fighting against this thing. And uh and so we we got to go after people. We got to go after their souls, and we got to expect to to receive attacks back. The other example that just came to mind was was Narnia, you know. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm gonna set Matthew off on this probably, but it's um, in in the Chronicles of Narnia, right? Like you got these kids who it's just like they're experiencing like the wonder of of Narnia, right, and the wonder of it. And when you walk away from it, right? When they had to walk away from it, they forgot. And it's 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 just it's it's amazing how when we walk away from the spiritual battle, how easily we forget. And literally, mm. and literally, just reading some of these scriptures, you know, like like the first two. For we do not wrestle. Ephesians six twelve. We'll read that. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Yeah. You have to read your Bible, right? Yeah. You you have to stay connected to God in this war because he, I mean, he's given it all to us, right? And we forget it because, mm-hmm. because we walk away. We let ourselves get too busy. We don't rest. We, again, you know, like, like we were talking about, when we don't rest, we're not trusting God. Yeah. I think, Matthew, I, I want to hear, hear your thoughts on this, but I, I mm-hmm. think it's easy for us as as pastors that walk into an office every day to be reminded every day of the war. Now, now we have to be intentional about sitting down at our desk and saying, all right, I'm going to prepare my heart and mind today. and I'm going to hand it over to Christ and I'm going to get into the word first. And I'm going to spend time in prayer first. Like we need that discipline, quiet time with God. We're not just planning events and, and studying for sermons and not putting aside that separate quiet time that, that is between us and God. Um, but for people that are not in ministry full-time and do not come to an office where they're reminded of that every single day, uh, and Matthew, you're there now, you're in school, you're, you're, you're teaching, and, and I know that uh, knowing you and knowing your character and knowing who you are, you wake up probably early and prepare yourself to go into the classroom with that mentality of, I'm walking into a war zone, I want to go share Jesus with everybody that I can. Um, but also, I, th- I think about people and, and, and how, how important it is for us as somebody that gets to sit in this office every day to prepare our leaders, to equip our leaders, and not let them forget, like you're talking about, to not walk out of church on Sunday and completely forget that uh, war is coming, and I'm in this battle, and I, I need to go tell people about Jesus and, and the all and the, uh, the, the, thing, the things that Jesus is teaching me and the things that I'm just looking at and God is reminding me of. Um, I need to go tell people about that. Um, how important it is, 
is it for us to, as leaders that get to be reminded of that every day when we walk into our office that that's the war we're in? Uh, how important is it for us to remind our people and to equip our people and to train our people to not forget when they walk out of this building, to not forget when they walk out of the doors on Sunday or Wednesday, um, and, and so that they are equipped when they walk into their jobs every other day of the week yeah. to be in war and to tell people about Christ and to be leaders, not just in the church, but if you're a leader, you're, you're a leader everywhere. You're leading this thing. You're leading this charge everywhere you go. Well, if you're an established like believer and follower of Christ, you are a leader or you should be classifying yourself as a leader because your, your, your main duty as a follower of Christ is to be disciples of the nations in the great commission. And the criteria to get into heaven is perfection. And there are perfect people in heaven, but we're not perfect until we get there. We're not perfect until we've already like, submitted our lives to Jesus and to the things of Jesus and fulfilled that great commission. We're never perfect until we get there. And, and Jesus says, well done, you know, my, my good and faithful servant. Uh, or when God says, you know, well done, my, my good and faithful servant. And so like, it's so important to stay in Christ and to classify yourself as a leader, like walk in that victory of Jesus already won the battle. It's up to me to fight this battle, like to, to fight it in Jesus name, uh, to come out on the other side and just walk in victory, like walk already knowing that you've already won and overcome the things of this world and, and nothing can stop you after that. You're unstoppable. I mean, yeah. So it, it seems so intimidating that us mortal people, you know, are, are not fighting with each other, but we're fighting with these pr- powers, these dark powers, but I have a, I have a better power. I have a much stronger power and it's the light and the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, and in grace and in, in mercy, you know, exhibit his love the way he's exhibited it to us, to others. I think it's so important for us to equip and empower and encourage our people to go do that every day. Absolutely. Like like I said, we're reminded every morning of the battle we're in and what our responsibility is responsibilities are when we walk into our office at a church. Um, so Matthew, uh, share with us what it's like, uh, what you, you know, the extra steps you have to take as a person that's not walking to a church every day. And, and this, I think this, a lot of people, re- more people would relate to this, what you can say about this than what we can say about this, I think. But yeah. So again, it's like, you may not, you may not be working at a church. Okay. But as a servant of Jesus Christ, all of us are engaged in ministry because um, it is not the pastor's job to reach the community. It's not uh, it's not the associate pastor's job or whoever or whatever pastor title. Okay, as sons and daughters of God, all of us have been granted, like Justin said, with the task of the Great Commission. And again, I think it's important to to separate in our minds the difference between a title and influence. That mm. that leadership is not wrapped up in a title because you might be listening to this and you're like, "I'm not the leader at my workplace. I just work at the front desk and answer the phone." Right. So that may be true, but if people know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ 
they're going to be paying attention to you because they like, even like before I was working in a church, I was working at Subway for two years. And so um, even in that setting, people could tell I was a Christian because of the way I was living my life. And eventually that turned into conversations. They were asking me about why I followed Jesus, why I believed what I believed. And so um, maybe it's not so much that we're all leaders, but maybe thinking of it in the sense that we are all servants of the King. And so he has given us this mission, no matter what your job, whether it's being a secretary at a front desk or being a janitor or you're a doctor or a police officer, whatever it may be. And keeping in mind that um, when you go into that job, God has put people around you to impact at that place. And so each person has a degree of influence where they are placed. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you don't have any influence and you're not impacting people for um, his glory, like wherever your workplace is, that might cause you to maybe step back and do some analysis and see, okay, I cognitively believe all this stuff that the Bible says, but has it hit my heart yet? Because I think Mm. too, there's, there's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge and bringing those two together because my belief is that in the workplace, if you're a Christian, you have the creator of the universe living inside of you. Mm -hmm. And I think Christians should be the best at whatever their field of expertise is at. Because if you have the creator in you, we should be the most creative beings. If you're a car salesman, be the best car salesman there is and also do it for the, the, for his glory. If you're a janitor, then man, that that building better shine and sparkle, right? And so also knowing that he's put people in that building that you work with to impact for his name. Um, so, and then even at school, um, uh, just because, you know, when I walk in, I don't get a whole lot of time before my students come in. So one of the things that I do to like, to really anchor myself for the day is, you know, while there's nobody in that room, I just, I get on my knees and I tell God, um, I can't do this without you. I thank, like, I thank him for bringing me there. And I thank him for giving me the skills to teach because I'm anchoring myself in the fact that it's not about me and the mission is about him and that I'm gonna have hurting kids come through those doors with questions who need to be impacted with the gospel. So finding whatever you can do, you know, again, I, uh, if you're, if you're the first one at that desk in the morning, you're a secretary, pray at that desk, ask him because, or if you're a janitor before you go in that school or that office building, whatever, ask him, who do you want me to reach today? How can I do this job for your glory? Um, cause even now, you know, I love walking and back when I was living in the, in the Chattanooga area, when I was working at the church, there were days where I would ask him, you know, is there somebody that you need to send my way to hear the truth? And even on just walks, like it was crazy how he, he answered that prayer almost every time. So you don't have to be at a church. What you have to remember is you may not have the title, but do you have the influence? And if you have the creator living inside you, use that influence. 
Yeah, and I, I think as as pastors that are in a church every day, and even as leaders, leaders that are leading ministries and, and leading um, groups and stuff like that, you have to remember that 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 position is not the only place that you're called to share the gospel. Uh, you're not. You're not. We're not just leading worship. We're not just being a youth pastor in this office and at this building. Uh, we're not just doing media things, but guys, when we leave here, we have a responsibility to live it out there too, right? We, we, have a, we, we encounter people every single day that need to hear Jesus. And, and so uh, I think that um, we get in the routine of, of doing church work and then we forget that there's a gospel work that needs to be done outside this walls that is probably even more important than the church work that we're doing in here, right? <laughs> Yep, and I think we have to be careful uh, just to remember that we we are susceptible to the the same kind of I say attacks. I'm probably looking for another word, but but basically that it can be easy for us to come in here to church work too, and to be practical about it, and to not be guided by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and to just pull out a few Bible verses and throw out a few cliche phrases. And to to go about ministry with the wrong attitude, the wrong spirit. So that that's another thing too for anybody who's who's a church leader or who's hoping to become a church leader. Just how important it is to remember that that can just as much be a part of what happens in in what you do in ministry as it can be for a person who's out in the world. For me, especially in media ministry, you know, I'm not always, you know, my work is, is a, is a little bit different than, than, than some where I'm working with a lot of, you know, technology and maybe digging into manuals, you know, learning new lighting controls, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. I'm not, you know, preparing sermons for, for every week. So it can, especially even in those type of roles can be a little bit easier to, to be susceptible to that. So you just got to watch yourself and and make sure that you're doing the work every day to to know again going back to last last chapter that you're an ambassador mm-hmm. right you're yeah. an ambassador of Christ you got to know your role and you got to live it out for me i feel like being a creative in ministry um we can get my first thing is like what distracts me like that's that's the number one thing i have to ask myself like what distracts me okay is it getting this detail right versus preparing my heart Right? right. So uh, I think it's just reminding us as creators, our number one job on Sundays and throughout the week, preparing for Sundays, or in my case, preparing for rehearsal and then Wednesday and then Sunday night is leading the people who came to worship to the throne room of God. That's, that, that's my number one goal. And even for you, you've got to remind yourself, that's my number one goal. Mm -hmm. And through the media, through the lights, Mm -hmm. through getting the projectors ready, through training my team, my goal is revealing Christ in our services through, you know, tools that God's given us to do so. For sure. Yeah. And and something I told the worship team before we started uh, our sound check on Sunday was, Guys, we got a new sound system in. It sounds great. It sounds really crisp. The the lights look really good. The stage wash looks great. But it's not about the show. Mm-hmm. It's not about how great it sounds. Are we putting our all in? Have we already reminded ourselves in our hearts that we are going to lead everybody in this room to the throne? Or we're going to try. We're going to give it our all. 
to do that. And hopefully somebody leaves changed today. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, uh, yeah. I was going to just say, I think the bottom line, whether you are in ministry or not, I think for all of us, daily anchor yourself in the already and not yet, because mm. the the day that we forget God is the day that we forget ourselves. The day that we forget God is the day we die. That's good. And so what I'm, what I'm getting at with what I was saying was um, that when we leave, honestly, our the more important thing for us is that, like like you said, in between the already and the not yet, we have a we have a purpose, and our purpose is not just to make church things look good and for events to go great, and to only be so so focused on our church things that we completely forget that we have a life to live for Jesus outside of these walls. Uh, we we need to uh, we need to think about people um, more than just events and Sundays and Wednesdays. Uh, it, it, there's there's five other days of the week that we need to be making a difference in people's lives and being an ambassador and influencing people towards Jesus. Ministry is people. Absolutely. Last week. Uh, last, uh, so uh, he does. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, he gives us three ways uh, to strategize for battle. All right, so he has the next the next section of the book is strategizing for battle, um, and it says how do we strategize together as leadership communities for the battle? Uh, and he suggests three ways. Uh, the first one is this: each leader must humbly accept and be growingly aware of his susceptibilities. Each leader must be humbly accept and be growingly aware of his susceptibilities, where he is vulnerable, where he can mess up. Uh, We have to be growingly aware, not just aware, but we have to continue to remind ourselves and continue to look at ourselves and continue to growingly be aware of our susceptibilities, how we are changing throughout our life and, and how things are changing in our life and where am I becoming more susceptible here or there, everywhere, stuff like that. So it changes throughout our life, apparently. Uh, so we need to be growingly aware. The thing, the first thing I have underlined, it says this, uh, spiritual pride leaves you exposed to spiritual attack. Spiritual pride leaves you exposed to spiritual attack. Pride um, is the root of all sin, right? Uh, well, not I think it's money, but still, uh, pride, <laughs> pride leads to a lot of different sins. And so, uh, the first thing he says is that pride leaves you exposed to spiritual. Honestly, this section, guys, we could skip right past that uh, and just understand that this section right here has some powerful things in it. Um, and it talks about surrounding ourselves with, with people that are not afraid to tell you the truth uh, and how important that is. And we're going to get into that. But the first thing, like I said, spiritual pride leaves you exposed to spiritual attack. And that is a very true statement indeed. Yeah, I mean, we've already talked about that, I feel like, a little bit earlier. But I remember, Matthew, I remember an example that you brought to us when you were going through your master's program uh, about, you know, we're talking about uh, sheep and wolves, you know, and how how we build fences to keep the wolves out, but eventually the wolves are going to figure out a way to find their way in, and so you've got to you've got to again, you know, growingly be aware, you know, like this phrase is saying, growingly be aware that, yeah, look, I've I've, I've built these fences to keep the wolves out. I've 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 done all these things to make sure that I am I am protected and 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 doing the right thing, but the enemy is always out there seeking how he can wiggle his way in and just gain any little foothold that he can. Uh, so I, I really, I really appreciate how he says, how he says this, 
you know, because it does change. It does change. And, and, and once you think you've got it figured out, once, once you think you've arrived and you're like, man, I'm a hundred percent, right? I got it. I got this. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that, it's pride, right? That's right. pride. Mm-hmm. Being so protecting against pride and ego. One of the things you mentioned, Eric, like part of tending to that fence is we need to surround ourselves with people who one, we know they have our best interest in mind, but along with that, they aren't afraid to tell us the truth, even if it's hard to hear, if it hurts. Because I mean, when you're in leadership or ministry, you always know you're gonna get criticized and there's gonna be people who point stuff out, not necessarily because they have your best interest, but because they're just there's just always those people that are never gonna be happy no matter what. But um, I think something that leaders might fall danger to is surrounding themselves by people who all have the same opinion, aren't ever going to disagree with anything they say, and then you get this group think mentality. Um, but I know in my own life, one of the biggest protections that I've had is that my friends that are the closest to me, I know they love me. I know that they would jump in front of a train for me, right? But um, but because that, I'm going to receive what they say and they're, they're bold enough to tell me when I have really stepped out of line. Um, I actually even, gosh, uh, and I still struggle with this some because I'm somewhat of a perfectionist, but uh, I remember having a martial arts tournament come up and I was so distraught about it because the last tournament I had gotten my butt kicked. And um, so I kind of didn't really want my friends or family to show up because I didn't want to fail in front of them, right? And so one of my one of my close friends just lovingly told me, you know, Matthew, um, you think our love for you depends on your success or your failure. We love you for you. You're more driven by your fear to fail rather than your drive to succeed. And one, that really hurt. But two, gosh, I needed to hear that because that was exposing an area of my heart that needed work. So all that to God, say is so good. we've got to surround ourselves with um, people who love us and aren't afraid to tell us the truth. Yeah, I mean, if you're not surrounded by people that are, are willing to tell you the truth and, and tell you even the hard things, then then you're going to continue to do the wrong things, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you need people to be honest with you. Um, and, and so it's it's comfortable for us to surround ourselves with people that will always say yes and will always agree with you. But it is absolutely necessary for us to have people around us that will call us out um, and, and hold us accountable and and point us in the right direction. Those, are, If you don't have people like that in your life, uh, you're, you're not branching out enough. You need to find some people that can be honest with you. Um, and, and so what he says is surrounding yourself with leaders who are no longer willing or are too afraid to challenge and confront you is to leave yourself exposed. So we're literally leaving ourselves more exposed to spiritual warfare when we do not uh, surround ourselves with people like that. Failure to cry out again and again that God will not only protect you from the enemy, but will protect you from your uh, your from you. Uh, leaves you exposed to attack. So th- this is the humility part, right? That that not only am I crying out that God will protect me, but uh, protect me from the enemy, but also 
God protect me from me that I that I won't take over my life and try to uh, you know drive this thing on my own that I won't take over this ministry and try to drive this on my own that I won't uh, I, God protect me from me. Now the the quote that um, that he uses in the book here um, uh, God's warnings are always loving um, tools of His protective grace. It's just man that's just something that is so encouraging because. Um, when we look at like the warnings of people, like we feel like it feels like sometimes we can get caught up in the negative things people say or take things as negative that people give us and take that and kind of use that to be like, Oh, poor me. I'm getting like, they're saying I'm doing all this stuff wrong. I'm like, Oh man, now I got to fix something else. Like, but God is giving these, God's giving us warnings to protect us, not to just like, Okay, I'm going to use this example. Um, not comparing myself to God at all. I'm going to say this outright. This is not what I'm saying at all. So <laughs> I know that's Great, a horrible, Sam, way, I'm so glad. Horrible, horrible way to start this out, but I have a point of saying this. So um, being an RA this year, I feel like there's a lot of times that uh, the guys in my hall especially can think that I'm being very like nitpicky about things that like they shouldn't be doing. But there are like very good reasons for the things that they shouldn't be doing. Uh, one random example, like they're not allowed to have an open flame like candle in their room. And uh, we had to coffin, com, confiscate, take away somebody's candle and they weren't very happy about that, thinking it was really nitpicky, but they understand like, I mean, Brian's had problems with a building burning down, um, like the biggest building on campus burning down before. like, And so it's just, uh, it's little things like that. Like we can, we can think like these warnings sometimes are like, or things that God's like pointing out in our lives, we could be like, oh man, it's just, that's just a little thing. Like what, what's that? But when we really look, take a step back and look at the warnings that he's given us, it's like, it's to protect us. It's not to just like, um, he can display his power like that. That's not like, it's not a thing that he can't do. Obviously like who's to say that God doesn't have the authority to do that. He can do that. But the way he's using his authority is to protect us and for our protection. That's like, that's super encouraging I don't know about you guys, but that just encourages me a whole lot knowing that like, I mean, he's not doing it just to like spot us. He's doing it to look out for us. Because knowing knowing with that, that limits can actually be a gift. Peter Scazzaro talks about this too. You know, we live in our culture where it's always like push past the limit or know your limits and push past them. But like, um, Limits are actually a good thing. They're not always meant to be overcome. In fact, they're meant to keep you in check and keep you in place so that you don't get so full of yourself that you cause harm to yourself and other people around you. Yeah, I think a couple of weeks ago we talked about um, how mentorship's real important. So the limits you might not be past, you might not be able to get past or the limits that you weren't meant to get past might be for somebody else under you that you're, you're training up, that you're building up. Um, that's why it's so important for us as leaders to stay, uh, in, in this mindset of, you know, making disciples and, uh, training people and building people up so that they can accomplish things that you can't. And that's why I think it's really important to take Jesus's words before he descended or, not descended, ascended before he ascended up to heaven um, is, you know, in my name, you will, 
you know, do greater and, and better things than I did. Not saying that we're like Christ and that we should, you know, be having disciples under us and that, you know, intention to, however, you, you know what I'm saying is it's very important to, you know, know your limits so that hopefully the people that you're, that are coming along with you in this faith journey can do those things. So it's, again, it's for God's glory. It's not for your glory. So why should we be always trying to, you know, achieve those limits that God's, you know, placed in our lives for a reason to protect us in grace. All right. So I'm nerding out again, but this, uh, this part from the first Dr. Strange just came to my head where, you know, of course, you know, his story He's this famous, really egotistical surgeon. He gets in the car wreck. He gets the uh, tremors in his hands because his, his uh, neurological system is damaged. So, and then, you know, he, he finds out about the ancient one. She teaches him how to use, um, basically channel uh, magic through his body to where he can use his hands again. Um, but you see this part where right before the ancient one's about to die, she's kind of giving her, him her last uh, kind of piece of wisdom before she, she pieces out. And, you know, he realizes that because of his newfound abilities that he could go back to his life of being a surgeon. And, he, you know, he tells her, you mean I could have my old life again? And she says, yes, and the world would be the lesser for it. And kind of going, she tells him, you were driven so much to succeed. And it's because of my conversation with my friend, I must've just thought of this, but I'll tie this into limits. But she said, you're driven more by your failure, your fear of failure. Um, and in that drive, you've forgotten life's most important lesson that it's not about you. And so something that was a limit to him, the tremor he received in his hand, even though it took away his old life of being a famous surgeon, he found a new life and a threat that was much bigger to the universe than him getting to keep his fame. So his limit actually ended up being a gift that was used to help him save the world. That's so cool. So with God in the front of our mind, we humbly accept and we become more aware of where we are susceptible because we, we have to we have to correct those things. We have to work to to overcome those things so that we can be uh, better equipped and, and better used by God. Uh, the number, the second thing he does is he, uh, he says uh, when we're preparing for spiritual battle is this. Uh, he says as a leadership community, personal and corporate spiritual war must be a regular part of our ongoing conversation with one another and a central focus of our prayer together. Uh, so in other words, let's talk about it. Let, let it be a regular part of our conversation. Let what what we are going through, let our spiritual warfare, the battles that we are in the middle of, let that be a part. It's not just people whining, guys. It's people talking about the spiritual war going on inside of their life. So sit there and listen and talk about it and have regular conversation. It should be a part of our regular conversation. It should also be, uh, <clears throat> we should also be able to create a safe space within a church staff and within a church leadership for our leaders 
and our church staff to be able to share the battles they, that they are going through. Because what do we do? Well, we rally the troops. We come around one another and we help each other fight those battles. And therefore, it's, it's part of our regular conversation. It's a part of our prayers for one another. We begin to, uh, it's, it's, a more, it's a powerful picture when a group of people start to pray very specifically over uh, a, a spiritual war that somebody inside of that group is, is fighting. And, and, you know, and they say, instead of, you know, keep that to yourself, stop whining. It's not that, that's not the, 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 the atmosphere that they create. Instead, it's, oh, you're going through that? You're fighting that? Well, let me get my sword and my shield. We're, we'll fight together. Let's go. Okay. You know, that's a much more powerful picture, and that's a much more, uh, it, it looks more like the gospel. It looks more like what Jesus wants inside of the church, inside of leadership, inside of, uh, the, like I said, the church as a whole. Uh, he says at the bottom of 124, I'm going to read this whole paragraph. He says, but I am very concerned when a leadership community has no time for and gives no place to be honest and protective uh, and protective conversations about the spiritual war inside us and outside us. That is the regular life of every leader in every church and ministry everywhere. Uh, we need to talk humbly and honestly. We need to listen carefully and with sympathy, and we need to speak with wisdom, comfort, and encouragement and warning. Guys, this is, this is what he's talking about, is that it's not just about... Um, it's, it's that we make this a regular part of our conversation and we listen intently and carefully and with sympathy and we, uh, um, and, and we're open humbly and honestly, like when we, and we, uh, we respond not with like criticism and, and our opinions and what we think and, and with harsh, uh, criticism that we instead respond and speak with wisdom, the wisdom of God and, and with comfort and with encouragement and with warning, uh, we respond bond with a, a rally call that I'm going to fight with you now and I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to do this thing with you. Uh, that's our response to spiritual warfare inside of a brother or a sister. It's not, well, good luck on your own. It's no, let me fight with you. And this is how I'm going to encourage you. Or this I'm is how I'm going to love you. you. Yeah. Very quick. <laughs> I'm praying for you. Yeah. That's, that's one of the worst responses too, is when somebody's just like, I'm praying for you. Well, let me, let me pray with you right, right now. now. Let me let you hear me pray for you. Let me hear, let me let you see me get in this battle with you. And, and we do that with wisdom and comfort and encouragement and warning, not of our own power, but in Christ. And that's why, again, we have to be in Scripture so that we can give them Scripture wisdom. We can give them godly wisdom. We can give them godly comfort. We can give them godly encouragement, not just encouragement from Eric, but encouragement from above, guys. All right? And so we're getting in this fight together. I like encouragement from Eric. <laughs> this is oh, a man. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no that just gave me um uh, honestly matthew maybe it's a, a dennis brothers production if y'all <laughs> wanted to take this i, I I'll, I'll give you rights to, rights to it you know yeah um, <laughs> but anyways no i mean i mean just the picture the picture of that i guess i'm all about pictures today right um uh, the picture of that somebody you know they're sitting there with their shield they're getting bombarded by arrows you know, and it's just the thing's coming down. It's like, uh, you know, just hellfire raining down on them. Somebody walks up to them and, hey, man, what's going on? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. And they just walk away, yeah. you know? And it's mm -hmm. like, it's it's so when we actually put it into some sort of visual terms or whatever terms really you speak to you, it, it's absurd what, what what we've done and maybe as church leadership and i mean it's 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 the reason why it's not normalized yeah it's because we haven't taken the proper approach but as future leaders 
we can take this and, and our eyes can be open to it now, but it's what we continue to do with after this podcast that that really changes the world that really and, and and even down i mean bring it down because sometimes we focus way too much on changing changing the world but changes your brother changes your sister changes your friend we got to get down on microscopic level i think going back to what justin was saying about when jesus ascended to heaven now jesus was was one man but when he left he left the holy spirit and we are Christ multiplied. That's why we are so powerful because we carry, we carry the full power of the Holy Spirit with us every day. And, and the, the collective church has the ability to go into the entire world and to reach the nations for Christ, to literally change it from, from every human heart from the bottom, from the bottom up. Yeah, I think the the person that you described is the person walking up while the other guy's getting bombarded uh, with everything. That's the person that approaches life with peacetime mentality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not the person equipped and ready for wartime. That's, right. that's the person that's thinking, "Oh, I'll pray for you. I'm I'm at peace. My life's at peace. I'm good." But that's not that's not really how it is. That's not. And so I think that's the person that approaches it with peacetime mentality. They're not in for the battle. They're in for peace and rest and stuff and so it's yeah, just like you're right uh that's not how we approach this thing we approach with wartime mentality we're ready to fight we're ready to battle because we are in the middle of a war period amen mm-hmm. so we do this we do this together that's a that's the second uh way that we strategize for battle that we get ready for battle we do this together we open it up we open up the room and we say let's talk about our spiritual warfare let's not hide it and try to fight it by ourselves but let's open up and do this thing together and we we do that with encouragement we do that with love with wisdom uh with getting in the battle with one another and the the third thing he says is we must examine and defend ourselves against satan satan's devices we must examine and defend ourselves against satan's devices the first thing that he says under here is it is so important to understand that the primary tool the enemy uses to attack disable defeat and set aside ministry leaders is ministry. So he uses ministry against us. And I mean, that's just knowing like that, just what what the enemy's the next step. I mean, when, once we take a step, the enemy immediately already has there's, he's trying to predict what we're going to do. Well, here's the thing. And this is why I think it's so important to be praying in our spirits. Um, and, and, and it says in the word and in many different, places and, and Paul even even says, you know, worship and sing in your spirit and with your intellect. And singing in your intellect is how I think, especially as as when you worship, singing in your intellect uh, is how we communicate, you know, that's how we communicate with each other. But then singing in your spirit, worshiping in your spirit, praying in your spirit is how we fight the enemy because he can't understand. He doesn't understand what, 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 you know, spiritually what's going on. We're just fighting him. We're fighting him. But, and that's why I think it's so important to be in our spirits is because it's something that he doesn't, he does not have access of. Nobody can steal your joy. No one can steal your peace. And, uh, that's just, that's encouragement for the battle. And I think just being aware of your distractions and that the enemy's number one thing that he's going to try and turn against you is your ministry. 
He's going to try and distract you with the details. He's going to try and distract you with the things that really don't matter because he knows what matters. Yeah. He, he, he knows that the Lord is working in your life. That's why you're called to do this. Yeah. I mean, the next thing he says is ministry itself is fraught with temptations that yeah. play yeah. to the complicated loyalties, desires, and motivations of the heart of every leader. And, and so if, if Satan, if the enemy can get us uh, not thinking, like get our, uh, complicate our loyalties, desires, and motivation. Uh, then, then he's he's got us distracted. He's got us. Uh, he's got us. Uh, so yep. the very our, next our thing says that he morphs it. He morphs it to, and that's when it becomes dangerous. Is when we start believing the the morphed idea that he's you know presented us with. Exactly. And so a clear visual is that our loyalty is to Christ. Our yeah. desires is Christ. Our motivation of our heart is to glorify and honor our God and for kingdom work. Right. And, and so when those things get morphed, when those things get distorted, when those things get complicated by the enemy, and then, then we, are, our hearts get all jumbled up and our eyes get taken off of Christ and, and, and things get things get weird. Yeah. Yeah. And the next, go ahead, Matthew, go ahead. Because I was going to say, I think the biggest danger for people in ministry is... Um, you can fall more in love with the work of Jesus than with Jesus himself. And when that happens, you get into trouble because the, the two biggest things that the enemy comes after in your mind is first, he will try to get you to twist who God's character in your head. And if he can do that, he can also twist your sense of identity as well. So he's going to come after how you think about God and, um, how you view yourself. Um, yeah, Lou Giglio is talking about in his book, uh, I think it's not forsaken, but um, the most important thing you, the most important thing about you is how you think about God. And you go back to the Garden of Eden and the first thing Satan comes out with Eve is like, did God really say, no, he doesn't want you to eat from the tree because he knows in eating it, you will become just like him. And so first, um, he twisted in Eve's mind, her view of God, which led to a distorted view of herself and led her to make the wrong decision. And so in a ministry context, that might look like, well, we start to think that God's primary concern is with the results we produce. Are we putting mm. more butts in the seat? Do we have the fast, the, the flashiest like uh, ministry program and things like that? Um, when really what God we have the best podcast. Yeah, the best hey, podcast. Hey, which is uh, a pretty good one. Which I mean, even though we do, it's not of course I'm just kidding. But uh you know, God's primary concern is one, his relationship with you and the res- and the tr- the number of tr- the the transformed lives that are going out your door, not how much tithe is being brought in, not how many seats or or people are sitting in the chairs. Um, And so, because when the word talks about the jealousy of God in Hebrew is Elkanah, and this is kind of like a jeal, you know, we think of jealousy as a bad thing, but in the Hebrew, it it communicates this idea of God is so ferociously passionate about his relationship with us that just like a, a, a husband who is in love with his wife, he will ferociously attack and defend against anything that threatens the relationship, even if that's ministry. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I'm going to be the one to do it, guys. But this might be one of the most powerful uh, paragraphs in the entire book. Uh, and it starts in the middle of 125, 126. It says, ministry leadership is not a fortress against spiritual attack. This goes right along with what you were just saying, Matthew. Uh, sometimes uh, the best way for him to attack is through ministry itself. Uh, ministry leadership is not a fortress against spiritual attack. It's a front line. Theological expertise doesn't shelter you from attack, but the pride of knowledge may be the one, uh, maybe one of the things that makes you susceptible. Mm-hmm. Powerful gifts don't alleviate your vulnerability because the deceitfulness of sin can mean uh, that you're better at preaching than the gospel to other, uh, the gospel to others than to yourself. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna read that one again. Powerful gifts don't alleviate your vulnerability. Because the deceitfulness of sin can mean that you're better at preaching the gospel to others than to yourself. A strong sense of ministry calling doesn't free you from attack. Rather, the feelings of being different, special, and set aside may in reality be what the enemy uses to get at your heart, causing you to let down your guard. The desire to achieve, which itself is not wrong, uh, may devolve into leader uh, competitiveness, leader jealousy, and leader disunity, exposing leaders to subtle or not so subtle anger and bitterness. Uh, the closeness, uh, the closeness and t- intensity of day by day ministry may tempt leaders to step over God's protective relational boundaries, making a leader vulnerable to romantic, romantic and sexual temptations. Even the handling of ministry funds can tempt a leader to begin to use what has been dedicated for gospel productivity, for personal ease and luxury. Uh, guys, that, I mean, he hits every angle right there of where every angle that the enemy may take. <laughs> He's just like, and he doesn't hold any punches either. He's like, oh, you think you're good at preaching? Well, guess what? You might be, you might be good at preaching to people, but you're not good at preaching to yourself. Um, like, uh, these gifts and things, the, the things that God given us, we, we hand back to him, uh, looking to glorify him, looking to honor, looking to, to reach people with those things, not to glorify ourselves, not to build our own kingdoms, but to just hand it right back to God and, and use those things to glorify him and to let, uh, to know him more and to let people know him through those gifts that he's given you. That, that is an incredible paragraph. Yeah. I, I, was, I, I okay. gotta say this David Paul guy, he's a trip. And there it is again. Uh, so uh, all all the attacks are coming, guys. I mean, if we if we brought this to a close, if we brought this chapter to a close, it's it's very simple, honestly. It's not like we have to be overeducated, and we don't have to be uh, like we we've said some good things, but it's actually very simple. All right, if you love Jesus and you are serving Jesus and you're going for Jesus with all of your heart the enemy is coming, right? The enemy is going to attack you. You wake up every day, you you take your head off the pillow, you're in spiritual warfare, you're in a battle. And so you constantly hand your heart over to God. You constantly hand your mind over to God. You constantly hand your life over to God. You you seek him, you seek to worship him, uh, knowing that our savior is alert and he's uh, possessing every tool necessary for the battle. Uh, knowing that that doing that every day, that surrender, just handing him, handing it all over to him, is the only way that we're going to win this battle. It's the only way that we're going to have the the power, the ability to to face the battle and, and win the battle. And the cool thing is, is the victory is won. We can rest in that too, right? Mm. Uh, but the battle, the the, the already, right? Uh, the the victory is won. But the here and now is that we have a battle to fight. And we have people to point to the cross uh, 
and, and a gospel to share and a kingdom to advance um, and a work to do, right? Yeah. So good, man. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for joining us uh, for the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Matthew, for joining us today, dude. I hope, you, uh, I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I have. It was a blast. You guys are awesome. Great. Maybe we'll do this again one day, but uh, it's Let's been go. a pleasure to uh, having you with us uh, on the show today. Uh, please help us spread the word, follow the podcast, share it with people that you believe that could use this. Guys, give us some feedback, ask questions, join the conversation. You can do that by emailing us at podcast at gracepoint.church. Be the first one this week. Somebody, come on. We'll talk about it next week. We'd li- love to hear from you. We'd love to mention your questions and the things that you say on the next show. Uh, but for Matthew Dennis, Sam Connor, Justin Mucka, Joel Scoggins, I'm Eric Power. See you next time. We hope you've enjoyed the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast. Make sure to follow the show and share it with leaders in your life. Pick up a copy of Lead by Paul David Tripp and join the conversation. We'd love to hear your feedback, answer your questions, and have conversations about Jesus with you. You can contact us by email at podcast at gracepoint.church. Thank you for listening.